Today we're going to talk about the preparatory gospel, the law of obedience that we do that prepares us for the law of love and moving forward in our preparations to live with God. But this brings a lot of questions like, what happens when our obedience isn't bringing forth the blessings or the spirit or the answers that we're looking for? What do we do when we're having a struggle in our own mind about whether God is listening to us or whether he even pays attention at all to our obedience and the things that we're trying to do? Good discussion in our class today on this very topic. Glad you joined us. And welcome to another Monday Morning Book of Mormon class with Kevin Hinckley. Recorded live, we dive deeply and deliberately into this inspired scripture. How far we get in one class depends a lot on the material and the doctrines left for us by ancient prophets. A single chapter may occupy one class or many. Of course, opinions expressed by the teacher or the class members do not constitute official church doctrines. Join us in this adventure and discover the hidden treasure found within his pages. And now, on to the class. Well, uh, welcome, uh, welcome again to uh, our uh, institute class. Um, now, I find it interesting now as we get in, as we're looking at kind of the penultimate moment in the Book of Mormon, uh, where everything has been focused on towards the coming of Christ, and He's going to come, and they've been talking about it. But part of what I find interesting through the whole Book of Mormon is you, you realize what a what a unique thing we're watching with the Nephites, and that is, here are these Law of Moses-believing people who also have specific information about the coming of Christ. And sometimes I think, guys, that we, have, we all suffer from the, uh, the condition of presentism, meaning we assume that things in the past are like they are now. So we know for sure that if we went to the Zarahemla First Ward, <laughs> that in the Zarahemla First Ward we would see, you know, there's the relief, functioning Relief Society thing and they're talking about going to the temple and, you know, and who's going to be the new elders quorum president in the Zarahemla First Ward. You know, we just assume that they look like and sound like us. If we had seen the church in Zarahemla, what would we have seen? It would have been the Law of Moses, wouldn't it? Because they're Law of Moses people. So I think we lose track sometimes that they're very Jewish. They're very Law of Moses-ish. Um, and, and so as we're looking at the coming of, um, of the Savior to them, I think it's helpful to kind of put the whole thing in, in perspective. And it, it, it speaks a little bit to what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. And that is, it's just a reminder that, that when we look now at the plan of salvation then and the plan of salvation now, the goal is still the same. What, what is the plan? Yeah. The, the plan is ultimately to return and live with God. Okay? And as we've talked about, just from a logical standpoint, who's going to be comfortable living with God? People like God. People like God. They are like them. That they have, okay? And, and uh, because the idea is to return home, and like First John says, when he comes in the clouds, we'll know him because we will be like him. There is a, a familiarity. And, and, and again, like we've talked about, to not have it that way means if I, I'm assuming that I'm not like God, but Christ says, come on in anyway, we would not be comfortable living in that kind of presence that we weren't yet like him. The transformation in us hadn't happened yet. Yeah. I also think it's, it's interesting that uh, one of the ways that we will be like him is that he's not a, a God of, of uh, brick and mortar. Yeah. He's, he's 
not a stone. Yeah. He is a person who is built like us. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder if one of the things that we'll know about him <coughs> that will be like him is that he will be a person yeah. like us as he comes. Not, well, not just the wonderful things that we have tried to learn to do to be like him, but also he's going to be like us and the way that he physically is. Because our, our, our mistake and, and it's part of our I think our Christian heritage over the centuries is that when we talk about where we want to go we're thinking about heaven is a place. It's, it's, it's a place you go as opposed to heaven is what? A, place. a relationship. Heaven, it, heaven's about relationships. It's, and that's what it is. Okay, whether it's whether it's with our families or whether it's with the Savior or whether it's with the city of Enoch, it's a, it, it's it's the connections that that we have. We can, you know, if like if, if one of these buildings actually kind of burns down or tornado hits it or have water damage or something like that, we pick up this congregation this of of relationships and we move them to another brick and mortar place, but the ward still exists. Because it's about relationships. It's about connections. Okay? So when we talk about going to heaven, we're talking about a place. And we call that, we call those relationships eternally, we call that what? That's joy. Uh, the goal is to have joy in our relationships. Okay? Now, this it, when we think about the law of Moses, though, we're still talking about that this is what Moses had in mind after he has a relationship with, with God at, at uh, a burning bush experience on the high on the mountain, mountain uh, Moses 1. He has this relationship. And the Doctrine and Covenants tells us that when Moses brings the children of Israel out of Egypt, what is it he's wanting them, what is he wanting for them? He wants them to have the same relationship with God that he does. He does. He does. And it says he sought a face-to-face and again, that, that term face-to-face relationship, one of the reasons why in Hebrew idioms it's called face-to-face is that if I'm face-to-face, I'm close enough to you I can feel your breath on my cheek. It's an, it's an intimate, connective thing, right? So that's what Moses wanted for his, for his people. So... So he says, I, I, I want them there, so, I'm gonna, so I want you to feel the sense of love that I feel. So they go, to the, they go to Mount Sinai so they can have that experience. So he goes up on top of the mountain to get everything in place. He's getting the, the uh, kind of that Melchizedek ceiling power thing. Okay? While he's up there, what's happening downstairs? <laughs> right? Yeah, idol worship, you know, like we've talked about, after 400 years they were more Egyptian than they were Hebrew, so they're still in idol mode. So I love the fact that he comes down, he looks at it, and he says, these guys aren't ready yet. So instead of going with plan A, we're going to go to plan B. The law of Moses was always plan B. And the law of Moses then, instead of having this face-to-face relationship, what can I give them that will prepare them and get them ultimately to have the relationship that we'd like them to have, but they're not in a place yet to receive? So we're going to come up with a preparatory law, and it's going to be the law of Moses, which is really based on Obedience and sacrifice. It's the very first. Obedience and sacrifice is a preparatory place to prepare us for where we want to get to. Does that make sense? Okay. So the purpose of preparatory laws and obedience, the purpose is that it brings us closer to God. It is preparing us. It's teaching us. Does that make sense? Okay, uh, that that preparatory law teaches us how to make and keep sacred covenants. The the covenant path, 
in its in its most if you break it down to most of its preparatory are you obeying or not is a preparatory thing preparing us and teaching us how to become more godlike okay and so they they were being taught how to do that and then now so that sounds wonderful right <laughs> what is the danger of the law of obedience and sacrifice there are some dangers yeah well for one I mean it, maybe it teaches us to make and keep covenants but the main focus of the sacrifices was an acknowledgement that we weren't keeping the <laughs> yes and, and, uh, so yeah. yes we're, it's almost like you're paying uh, for your sins uh, you know Clemency. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to keep it, but we don't keep it. So it's just you're right. It's this constant reminder of our own mortality. Yeah, John. It seems to me that heavenly Father's children, if left unchecked, will take everything to the extreme in the wrong way. Uh, I mean, so you're not living the law, of Moses, so you're bad. You have to be ostracized from the community. Right. Or even now, we have the word wisdom, so if you eat sugar, it's poison. You know, this kind of, it seems like... It's, That's right. It's always going to be and I can't believe that we're having white bread for sacrament. It should be whole wheat. <laughs> yeah, people homemade. You'll find some homemade. Homemade whole wheat. That's right. Without the crust. You're getting it. You, you, you start to get the dangers of that, right? today too as well as back then which is what Christ got after him for is that they instead of making the covenants internalized they would just do it on the outside see I'm going to the temple see I'm doing my teaching but are they doing the stuff that these commandments are supposed to teach yeah are they internalizing them yeah and if we're and, and so one of the so the danger would be um, and, and and it's always the struggle, right? Is that how do I know that I'm doing it? How long are your uh, things on your garment there? <laughs> that, that's right. And how did I get all the tassels, or did I get the high? Again, can you imagine, guys, if we let people make their own temple clothes? <laughs> imagine where that goes, right? It's made out of what? Day. Yeah, so they, yeah. They did it ten years ago, even, but but they had kids and had to follow the kid. You were not. Offered. Yeah, if we just let them turn, you'd, you know. you. I know, because how would you know in the temple who's got, like you said, the the longer tassels, the best tassels? Yeah. I think basically you're saying the law comes, the law becomes more important than the Because we, because we start believing that. Yeah, the law is the point. That, that, that is the be-all, end-all. And part of it is just mortality in our mortal condition. If I think I'm worthy, how do I know that I'm more... How do I know whether... I, how am I doing in comparison to Jim? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, either, either my kids are better or worse than you, yours. Well, it's just from our own perspective. You're better than me and I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm better than he is. I just, I just don't want to say it because that would hurt his feelings. Yeah. We, we have even upper level leaders in the church who are told you can't add rules, you know, as state presidents who think that they're going to add something to the temple recommend interviews. Temple presidents who add something to what the requirements are for the way of yeah. comes to the temple. I, re- I remember being trained in the temple, working at the veil, and which way you put your hand is, is a big deal. <laughs> you know, one, one way will soil the thing. You, you did it wrong. Don't do that. Okay? Yeah, Joan in the hand. Yesterday in Relief Society, we had a lesson. President Oaks about kingdoms of glory or whatever uh-huh. And he made the point, it's not so much to know what you know or even what you do, it's what you're becoming. Yes. So these preparatory laws are, should, should have been about making people better and people wanting to improve and all of those things. 
but we can get caught up but we get so caught up in the performance of that that we assume some things yeah well it seems to me based upon what you've got written there that we are still in the preparatory wall we are, we are. well wait, wait, uh, hold on to that hold on to that because I think sometimes we are and sometimes we're not okay but, but the problem is in terms of judging and then the other one is judging ourselves walking into so brethren watch, watch this one sisters of all the Sundays in church in the course of a year which one is your least favorite Sunday I rest my case <laughs> why because you look at yourself and see that you're like yes and as brethren we sit like in Bishop Rick meeting oh it's Mother's Day we love our mothers we should prepare all kinds of things who do we think would give the best Mother's Day talk oh let's call on so and so she's going to give so that she can get up and go I had my sainted mother and she never yelled and you know. <laughs> okay and we, we, we search out those guys right because they're going to give the great Mother's Day talk and all the other sisters are going man I okay I'm out of here <laughs> We don't always recognize that as brethren that, that it is a judge fest. Not because it's intended to be that way, but because in this life we tend to be really judgy of ourselves. And again, the number one reason why women leave the church and nothing else is even close? Feeling judged. It's about being judged. So, yeah. Just a thought back to the, to the law and... Um, in the Book of Mormon, when, when we've got, um, okay, how to say this? Um, I guess it occurred to me, you know, I was, I was as I was um, reading one time, how close these people were to Christ. And, Sometimes. And, yes. Well, okay, <laughs> place where, you know. Yes. Right. Um, <clears throat> And how they were living like we are today. You know, there's so many times where it's like today. And and then it would occur to me that, oh wait, there these people are the Jews keeping the law of Moses at this time. You know? And Thank you. So I just thought that was Yes. Kind of it, it is. That and that's so, what it's supposed to be doing. Well yeah. And so and so that's why from a law of Moses standpoint, if I'm Alma, if I'm King Benjamin and I'm, and I'm under that law of Moses understanding, how do I mo- motivate people to obey? Fear, fire and brimstone, all that, all that fearful stuff. And, and how long do they stay obedient after I motivate them with fear and fire and brimstone? About five years. So It's I, never self-sustaining on that. I struggle with that because I look at the even from Jacob and King Benjamin, I see them teaching the law of the gospel. I from, from, from Jacob? I see Jacob teaching the law of the gospel. He did. And then, and then how many years are there between Jacob and then uh, 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 Amulet? Who, who is King Benjamin's father? There's about 150, 175 years. There's this long apostasy. That they forgot every because Jacob was, but they they forgot it when they went through this long apostasy, and then they've got to rebuild it. And the church doesn't even get reestablished till Alma shows up, who got it from Abinadi. But, but most of the Book of Mormon prophets taught principles; they didn't teach it. Yeah, but the principles. But again, the principles were based on the preparatory because they were still Law of Moses people, well, the right? Thing, the whole gospel is preparatory. Yeah. I mean, uh, and you're, you keep getting line upon line yeah. until the perfect day. Right. The perfect day for you is going to be different than the perfect day for me. Ah. So as long as it's not the perfect day, I'm being prepared. Right. It's still a preparatory kind of thing. But it's on principles. But, but the, the struggle that we have, and I think part of what would happen when, when the Book of Mormon prophets would then say, obey and go to heaven, disobey and go to hell. And today is the day to do it. There's no tomorrow, and there's no mercy after. And mercy is, uh, how does King Benjamin say it? Mercy has no claim. Mercy has no claim. Okay, forever. because forever, in a law of Moses sense, that was true. There was no 
temple ordinance yet. There was no work for the dead. There was no, there was no, the Savior had not yet gone into. The fullness wasn't there. That's right. And, and so because of that, it was a law of Moses thing. Now, a lot of the, by the way, a lot of the, the, the reason, reason why the Old Testament oftentimes feels so harsh and you go, wait a minute, Jehovah of the old, Jesus of the... Seems like two dudes, two different guys, right? Um, we, that's, it makes sense when we think that an awful lot of the Old Testament, we think, from a scholar's standpoint, was organized and put together and some of it much written in exile in Babylon after Lehi had left and Jerusalem was destroyed. So... So from an Old Testament standpoint, if somebody is committing adultery, what do we do? Stone them. Stone them. Why? Because you don't want that in your culture. And, and if it's in your culture? Your culture the, the Assyrians attack you. <laughs> if, we're not, if we don't wipe this out, and if it's not 100%, and if we're not 100% obedient... We get destroyed. The Romans come into town. The Greeks come into town. The Assyrians come in. We, in order to save our city, we have, we have to kill and destroy the people that are being wicked because otherwise it's an all or nothing cleanliness or not. It's a law of Moses mentality. Okay? Which sometimes we have bought into. Some of that leaks its way into Christianity. Uh, now, so... From the judging and comparison standpoint, if that's true, if it's about judging, then from a Law of Moses standpoint and then from a Christianity standpoint, the whole purpose of everything is to go to heaven. Got to make it to heaven. Now, if it's about comparison, how do you know that you did well in this life when you go to heaven? Think about Christian pop culture. Mansions. Mansions. Who gets the bigger mansion? The poor people get the big mansions. The rich people get the little mansions. You know, you, yes, at a good place, right? Right. That's why we love the the show, The Good Place. It was all about tabulating points uh, for the for the afterlife. You know, the good, the really good people get the really good places. The really bad people get the bad places. Because that's how it works. Or you go to the good place or the bad place. So how many, how many religions are you aware of where if you get to the apex, you're not retired? What do you mean? I mean, most of the religions I'm aware of, they're heaven, you're retired. Oh, yes. You're right. Nobody in heaven works. <laughs> We're hanging out on the cloud, <laughs> strumming our harp, you know, and are really nice place. They don't have any function. No. Other than to worship the And most of the Christian scholars that I listen to to teach me about the New Testament, they get to that point and then they go, the ultimate purpose for mankind is to reflect the glory of God. So we really kind of spend the eternities as a mirror. Our job is to reflect the glory of God. Yeah. Isn't there a scripture that talks about in heaven you will rest from your labor? Yeah. Yeah, uh, which is interesting because God also rested at the end of six days. And you go, oh. you, you see God kind of hanging out on a barca lounger. <laughs> that, whoo, that last stretch was tough, man. <laughs> so, so, so you start wondering, what do they mean by rest? Which I think is a really great conversation. Well, Lucy, yeah. Lucy Max Smith, and I think a lot of the sisters in the room will um, remember that she said this, that the goal in life... Uh, for, for the sisters was to someday be able to go to heaven, right? Yeah. But where they can sit down. Very true, very true. And finally get to eat their lunch without uh, getting interrupted. <laughs> and we'll be, that big thing is about being equal. We'll all sit down together. And not I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I see that, that rest in heaven is probably not like your heart. It's still down at rest. It doesn't stop. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Okay. So, 
But what if, if we can see this though, here, here's what was going on. And but really the idea of a preparatory law and all of these things, if we is that why don't we can get caught up in the idea that it's about worthiness, it's about sin and how much sin and which sin gets you to what part of the celestial kingdom, which part doesn't, and how at what point have I sinned too much, and what part have you sinned too you too much, and and we just start parsing and then we go all Pharisaical about try, if it's all about that and I just think we get caught in the weeds uh, and and it was always it was always preparatory we don't get saved by our obedience and I know that sounds harsh but uh, it, we have to see the obedience for what it is it is it's where it's sending us okay and that is ultimately it, it's teaching us the purpose of obedience the purpose of keeping the commandments the purpose of keeping covenants is to do what teach us how to love right it's a schoolmaster to teach us how to be more loving now a good example of this is home teaching (laughs) ministering what do we do under home teaching do it count it check it report it add it together then we went ministering and we're like, well, we're not sure how to do ministering. It's kind of vague. That's right. Especially for youth. How bit, how, how What should your swimsuit look like? Okay. The, the, the new, the new uh, youth guidelines. We don't know. We need, we need the guidelines to tell us whether we're doing it right or wrong. Because we have been so... Anybody who lived through the obedience 80s knows what I'm talking about. The obedience 80s was about keeping everything with exactness and that will somehow vault you to the exaltation all by itself. Even if you're doing all these things and you hate your neighbors like crazy. (laughs) Okay? All right. So the idea of the whole thing is to teach us how to love. And so the purpose of the purpose then of love, if, if we've had this preparatory experience, is to ha- be changed by the transforming power of the atonement. It then changes over time who we are. We're to become new creatures in Christ. We're we're kind of mortals and we're struggling in the weeds, and ultimately we want to be there. Okay, and instead of being focused on our worthiness, we should be focused where. Our service. We're focused on others. Now, I, I don't know about you guys, but I look at myself and I go, I think I spend, I still spend most of my time doing the preparatory things because I'm not there yet. Sometimes, at moments I am, uh, but if the goal is to become comfortable in God's presence, then as we, as we go through mortality, what we find out is that at sometimes we, do, we, we exhibit behaviors that not, aren't very loving, either to ourselves or to other people. What do we call that? Sin. <laughs> sin sin is, a, is non-loving behaviors. It is things that might hurt somebody else, might hurt, somebody, hurt, might hurt me, or it's, a, it's a, a behavior against my godly nature, which is going to hurdle me back here. Yeah. Well, that's why we're supposed to pray with all our energy of heart for charity. <clears throat> you know, that's what our focus is, to pray for charity, then the Lord will come in and teach us how to love. Yeah. And what Christ's love was, and that that was also what charity is. Yeah, th- th- think about think about the, the young ruler guy that shows up and says, I've done all of these things, what more do I need to do? And he goes, well, love your neighbor. <laughs> Love God. On this hang all the laws and the prophets. It's about love. And you go, really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So the way I'm looking at your model, I'm looking at it as a binary model. And, and the model I have in my mind, there's sins of commission. Yeah. Those are T left goal. Uh-huh. There's sins of omission, uh, which is a really not the way I like to look at them. There are acts that would be inclusive or that are celestial. And if you're not doing the sins of commission and you're not uh, avoiding the sins of omission, 
then you're between those two and you're you're a just person uh, and that's uh, terrestrial yeah yeah and I, and I think so sometimes those three degrees of glory are really three degrees of earth life are, to, you, are you are you hurting people your telestial uh, are you helping people your celestial uh, are you just leaving everybody alone and looking to be left alone <laughs> you're terrestrial <laughs> 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 I, I, I'm a loner yeah Alan, that's a good way to look at it. I just want to say that thank heavens we have the millennium to get to perfection. Oh, oh. So far. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I know. I know. See, I think, I think most of the time, we get caught everything being transactional down here. I'm going to do things because of what I get. Okay? And again, I think we spend most of our time. But, you know, but I, as I look around in this room, though, guys, I think there are a lot of times for you, whether it's, times or moments or stretches in your life or times during the day that I think you transcend it. I think at times you have returned and you start with certain relationships. I think you start doing the loving act. That's why I don't think it's quite as binary as much as I think it is just fluctuating. That the idea is is that we're going to do things where we return to the law of love and we sense it and we feel it and we feel good about it and at th that moment, we become a little bit more godlike today, or godlike this afternoon, or whatever it is. And then we wake up the next morning, we stub our toe a little bit, and we have to then flip back down. Okay, I got to go back to the obedience thing. That you know, it's like a football team that loses, and the coach goes, "All right, let's go back to blocking and tackling. We'll go back to the basics, and we learn them, and then we start to transcend it." And I think we move back and forth through this. Yeah. Well, this is what binds Satan when we all catch on. And yeah. That great love for, for the Heavenly Father and for each other. And that's the Sorry, good. <laughs> no, I, I think it is. That's why of all these things, charity or love uh, and, and the word, the, the word charity in, in 1 Corinthians 13 where he's using charity is uh, agape. It is this godlike, transcendent Love that that is higher than than everything else, and ultimately, it's it's the transforming power of the Savior. It's what He did for us. He loved us. God loved us, so He sent His Son. Okay, and and I just think so. Our our battle is is always to fight our natural nature, our natural man, as Paul says, our earthy man, who wants to compare and who wants to control and wants to. And then we have to put him under subjection and then he gets better and then we start loving better and then we're, we do our mortal thing and I think we just... Is, does that make sense? Yeah. I'll go back now uh, in a talk that they show with the NPC says that... Um, well, I think it's his phrase that he's uh, used was... The atonement would not have occurred except for the character of Christ. Oh, I like that. And uh, that yeah. our, our purpose is to acquire the same character that Christ yeah. has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's why I say at that point then, like, like uh, President Oaks has talked about again, it's not about what we do. It's about what we have become. That we have... We have taken on that character and in this life we'll never do that perfectly we just okay so that said um, let me hop out of this then because here because uh, I wanted to do this as a prelude to <clears throat> what we see happen in 3 Nephi 17 because I think it, it embodies everything we just talked about Okay, and we started talking about this last week. We we're talking about that. Uh, remember that he says, uh, "You know what? You guys are tired. Go home." <laughs> I can see some glassy-eyed kind of thing. Uh, I'm going to go to the Father. I'm going to show myself. Lost tribes. He cast his eye, and they were in tears. And they steadfastly looked upon him. He would tarry with them a little longer. We talked about those those puppy dog eyes. Going, don't go. You know, stay. Uh, and then he says, and I just think this is interesting. His response to that don't go is, 
my bowels are filled with compassion towards you. Yeah. I don't think this had anything to do with our gut. <laughs> the bowels filled with compassion is what? It's this tender heart. I just, I, I, I feel your love. I'm motivated by your love. And he's responding with love. And then he goes, are there any sick? Bring them hither. Or lame or blind or halt or maimed. Um, I think one of the things, by the way, that the, the, uh, the, the series The Chosen has done a really good job on is, is showing the, the uh, joy and happiness of those being healed. <laughs> just really just focused on that. And each time that they pan back to Jesus' face and he's looking at them with just, this is so good. <laughs> you know, you know, the... The, the moment in the in the the show where he's he's healed a man of the lame who is lame and he's not even there he just you know and they go Jesus what are you smiling about and he goes somebody's having a really good day this morning because <laughs> he's waking up not lame and it's bringing him joy which I I just think is is part of this this uh, we're seeing kind of a celestial emotional reaction to things. Yoni lame or blind or maimed or leprous. Um, bring them hither and I will heal them. Why? Because I have compassion towards you. My bowels are filled with mercy. Now, let me ask you this though. For I perceive that you desire that I should show unto you what I have done unto your brethren and cistern in Jerusalem. Okay? For I see what? Your faith is sufficient that I, that I can heal you. That, 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 when, when we're worried about... See, that, where I think this is tough is how often have either you in your life or people that you have in your family or whatever who aren't being healed... The cancer diagnosis is still there. The treatment is still ongoing. And we want to go back here and say, I'm not being healed because... Yeah. So being healed isn't only uh, dependent on faith. And, and it didn't say your faith is sufficient that I can heal you. It says your faith, faith is sufficient that I should... Yeah, yeah. And so in the Doctrine and Covenants, we learn that there are people who have faith to heal. There are people who have faith to be healed. Right. And that people who receive priesthood blessings when they have an infirmity will have their sins forgiven yeah. and will be healed if it's God's will. Yeah. And that if it's not God's will, they won't be healed in, in the Chosen which so many people mistake as doctrinal. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, but there is a, uh, I think it's Peter who uh, has uh, an infirmity and he wants to be healed and the Lord tells him, you don't need that. Oh, it's little John. Little, it's little John. John. Yeah, so the thing is... is Because the healing was actually not about your physical it's, infirmity, it's right? It's important to have faith to be healed and it's important to have faith to heal. But it's... It might even be more important to have faith to, to, not, to not, be, be not be healed and to faith to, to not heal. Yeah. And I think I, it's just really, you know, when, whenever the Savior healed somebody, every one of those people now has died. <laughs> yeah, it didn't save their life. You know, and, and when the Savior <laughs> taught his apostles, he says, greater works will you do yeah. than what you've seen me do. And I think he's talking about healing their souls. Yeah. And, and uh, he's comparing that to him healing their bodies. Yeah. Not that he didn't heal anybody's soul, because he did. But. Yeah, and th th that's why ultimately if, it's, if we make this about worthiness and crimes and obedience, we, got, we get caught in kind of this law and order mentality. If we, if, we, if, we do, if we go down this road, it's about healing. It's about being broken and it's about being healed, then it's a whole different thing. And sometimes those maladies are physical. And so often they're 
We look at the first presidency and even the twelve. Those brethren are in excellent health for their age. But most all of them are wearing glasses and walking stick. They're all physically falling apart at some uh, yeah, yeah. or another. Yeah. They're, they're in better health than most Because mortality is about entropy. Eventually, everything in mortality ends. Does not matter what it is. Everything in mortality ends. Everything in eternity doesn't. It, it would take away the need for faith for a lot of people if all of the yeah. presidency were all 270 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to play the devil's advocate. It's never stopped you before. <laughs> so if all that is true, yeah. and I, I would do this, yeah. what is the purpose of being administered to when you're sick? <laughs> oh. Oh. Do you? Okay, fire away. <laughs> I, I know she just dropped that out there and then stepped back. It's like, I'm just going to see what they do with this thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's a what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I walked over to work at the temple one Saturday morning and I got out of the car and could barely walk. That's how it started. Right. Uh, I was really befuddled. I lived alone. I didn't know any doctor to go to. I I was really, mm -hmm. really an emotional mess. I really made it a big deal. Yeah. And a sister suggested that her husband come over and with his brother and give me a blessing. And it wasn't to heal my leg or my right. knee. It was to give me clarity so I could function. And I think a lot of times when you get a healing for when you're sick, what really helps you is that you get your mind in the right place so that you can deal with whatever it is you have to do. Right. But, but, but let me ask you something. What happens for those people, and maybe those of us, that are still farther down in that preparatory obedience mindset because of where we are new converts uh, younger people maybe maybe not as much understanding the gospel you can feel abandoned and you can feel like the gospel can't be true because yeah. I counted on yes. this to happen and God didn't give me this blessing that I asked for it it says right in the scriptures I get it Yeah. and the priesthood holders are not they're in the process of learning also and they may say things in a blessing. Oh, don't. Yes. Exercise your faith. Right. I mean, it's dangerous. She's supposed to die. No, I'm going to tell her she's going to live. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the whole like discussion that goes on in my car a lot. Uh huh. Um, why I don't pray is because I don't like the answer. So yeah. Yeah. God will not give you more than you can handle. It is not right. It's not <laughs> yeah, and I and I need to help. Because God won't give you more than you can handle means oh, so he's holding back on things. No, it just basically means shut up and deal with it. That's my response. So I'm one of those people who go, what is the point? What's the deal? What's the deal? Why I'm not going to ask for anything because I don't have it. Is there a difference if we're out here on a limb? Is there a difference between if something was going on with with your with your wife and you pray for her? Is there a difference between that and you ask your family to pray for her? Is there a difference between that and you ask the ward to fast for her versus the stake to fast for her versus I put her name in the temple versus I put her name in a hundred temples because by pure we're going to force this thing that I, I love her, I don't want to lose her. So the more prayer warriors that I can get, we can move... Well, no, it didn't work, did it? <laughs> yeah, 116 did. But, but you see that mentality that says, can we get the ward to pray for us? Can we get it? Because, and and I, I'm as bad as anybody. Somebody says, okay, I got cancer. Yep, you're in our prayers. Okay. And, and collectively, now, I will say, by the way, that in the, if this, if we take 3rd Nephi 17 as a possibility, did their prayers change God's plans at that moment? 
appears appears to be. You could say, well, and someone could make the argument, no, Jesus knew that they would do this, so he's planning on doing it. He just wanted them to do it. Or he really was planning to leave, and their prayers and supplication produced a joy and a love in him that says, I'm going to do more today than I planned on. Because the sacraments coming after this, I mean, there's a whole series of things that come from, and and the transcendent moment of of. The Book of Mormon happens in this chapter, I think. Okay, so there does appear you could make an argument for the fact that that we can move God from what He was going to do to what He might do. Well, and I think I think it's a it's a function of faith. I mean, we see the same thing in uh, the brother of Jared, and seeing that he says. He had such faith that he couldn't withhold. Yeah, I'm going to give you something. I may not have. I wasn't necessarily planning on it, but I'm not. Your love, your faith, your whatever that was moved me, and I did something different. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get that moment of the mortal Jesus in, in Gethsemane going. If there's any way, man. Were that not the case? Uh, <clears throat> Why would the the brethren say pray for a relief from a famine or uh, you know there's, there's with the idea that God loves the people there's power in the United States yeah and, and so so I the short answer for me is this is a conundrum for me and I don't have an answer it is one of those it, I can I can state you a lot of times when I think. God's will has been changed or modified a little bit and times when it's like I think God loves those going through the drought and our prayers maybe give them comfort but it, did we change what's going to happen maybe it did I don't know I, and I, I don't have an answer on that I don't it's a I'm tough one for me probably the only one in this room probably I doubt it but <laughs> I have had experiences where I've really wanted something and I've really I've prayed for it uh, and wrestled with God for it and the answer has been you're not what you want isn't what's going to happen and it's fine yeah and, and I have counted it a blessing that the Lord has given me comfort. Uh, I may have preferred for the other answer. Yeah, that's right. I have counted it a blessing that I got comfort along with my nah. (laughs) Well, and often down the road you look at it and go, yeah, it was probably better that this happened. I I didn't want this, but I see some things that happened that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah. I think that it kind of comes down to humility. We ideally, our will should line up with God's will for us, and it can be harder to it, it can be hard to have that in mind because we might get tunnel vision on uh-huh. what we want. Right. When somebody dies, there are a plethora of reasons why that person needed to die. I mean, they had more work to do on the other side of the veil. They could be comforting, to, like their spirit, and, you know, whatever. Um, so when God doesn't give us what we want, we need to know that his plan is superior and that can be hard. Yeah, oh, because, again, especially if we're kind of still struggling on uh, uh, those mo- those days when we're kind of on the more preparatory side of things and and we're basing it on our worthiness and we look at dang it I kept the commandments I, I paid my tithing how come I'm losing my job I kept the word of wisdom how come the cancer came back and and, and we're basing it based on worthiness and I, and I love the humility thing that sometimes we just have to say if I if I'm ultimately gonna it's about the law of love. Then, uh, and I, I told this story before of Henry Eyring uh, when he was church commissioner, uh, saying that he'd been tasked by the the church to uh, make some major changes in the whole church's CES program, seminary and, and institute. And he was he putting some things together, and he couldn't come up with it, and he couldn't come up with it. Uh, he went to his dad, and his dad says, no, you, sometimes you're not going to see very far. Good luck. He went to the brethren. They're like, no, this is on you. <laughs> so, so he says, I started, he knelt down one night, he says, 
uh, and you, you just have to read this. It's, it's amazing. He says, I started to read, and I started to pray. And I started telling everything to the Lord, and here's the problem, stuff like that. And he says, and as I'm on my knees, and the sun, and the sun is coming up, <laughs> which is kind of a clue there, and the sun's coming up. He says, I heard myself say, all I want is what you want. All I want is what you want. And he says, at that moment, I felt more like a child than I have ever felt, ever. All I want is what you want. And I think sometimes in our praying for people and our own stuff, I think, and, and Jess, you're right, I think we have a hard time getting to that humble place where we go, I know what I want, I know what makes sense to me, but what I want is what you want. Yeah. I, and I may not be spiritually in tune here, but when, when you said that, is, it, is this voice saying, God talking to him, saying, I just want what you want, or is it him? He, he was. I just want one. Yeah, he says, I felt humble. I felt like a child. And I says, you know what? All I want is what you want. And then he says, and, the, and then the plan laid out. I saw what I needed to do. But he, had to, he himself had to get to a humble place that says, rather than I want what I want, I just want what you want. I had a guy tell me something interesting. I hadn't looked at it this way. I told him, I said, a lot of things we pray for, I think God is saying, why does that even matter? And he said, well... I really think Detroit should have won yesterday, but that's, that's a different story. If God knows that that's important to you, it's important to him. Yes. Now, I'm not sure if I agree with that, but I'm just saying that's an No, I, li- I like that idea that just says, I'm at that point where I, I'm really wanting your will more than mine. Well, no, I'm turning it around. He's, he's saying that if I want it really bad, God will have come oh. on me. And oh. it's important to God because it's important to me. I, like I said, I'm not sure I even agree with that. I, think, I, think, I, I could see sometimes when that would happen. I think it's true, but, but the thing is, is when I want something really bad, and I want it so bad that it becomes important to God, but it's not what God wants for me. God, <laughs> yeah. God's answer to it being important to Him is to teach me what I should want is maybe different than what I do want. Yeah, 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 Jeff. Okay. Um, I do think God's, God loves us, and He will want to comfort you. Uh-huh. If you... He can do little things for you, even if it's not like really that connected to your mm-hmm. plan. Um, if if that's what he wants to, he doesn't. He doesn't need to. I think he doesn't want you like. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to say like abusing his relationship, but um, I, I think it's important that he doesn't always give you what you want because yeah. that helps you learn. But. He still can, and he still often does, because he still loves you. I know. And um, but like I had a, a point where I was playing a game. Um, it was just a dumb video game, and I was just super stressed out. And <laughs> I, well, I, I was stressed out about life stuff, and so I was playing this game, and I made a decision in the game, and then I, I just I, I like said a prayer. And I asked God, I'm like, how do I get to level three? Kind of. I, I'm like, God, I need a, a 57 leaf clover to appear in the chest, please. And kind of got the response, or I just felt like he was saying, are you serious? And I'm like, kind of. And you have a, a 1% chance to get a red item. And, but, and then there are like 25 red items it could be. But I got three 57 leaf clovers in that <laughs> And I think that God can just do things for you if He loves you. If he, your desires can be His. Well, I, do you know what I think is interesting about that? I think He was speaking to you in your language. Yeah. With a language you might got. may not be my language, but it's. It, but I'm German and you're French. I mean, He's speaking to you in your language. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I had an experience. I had that, I had that, and one of the Indian girls lived with me a year, uh-huh. and after she'd gone back home, why, she called and asked if she could come 
again and if I could get her a job. And so I called her father's office and got the secretary and told her that yes, I could do that and would she help uh, the, the Indian girl. Uh, and so I waited and I waited and I waited. And finally I called back and got her father and I said, uh, what happened? Well, he said, she waited and waited for your answer. And so she finally went to California. And she, in California, she got an education and came back to her tribe as a leader. There we go. And friend said, see, Mother, <laughs> the fact that you didn't get an answer didn't mean that God uh, give one. Absolutely. Okay, yeah, one more and then we'll roll on. Just a thought here. We, we look at some of these challenges we face, I really get the impression that the Lord is nearest concerned about our challenges and mortality as we are. Oh yeah, it's our stuff. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Now, a couple of experiences relative to our discussion. One is years ago, a family I ministered to the husband called and says, could you come help me give my wife a blessing? She needs it. I go to their home, and we sat and visited a little bit. And, uh, she was expecting and having difficulties with pregnancy. And they had three little children. This would be number four for them. And when it was time for the blessing, they both turned to me, Brother Hale, would you give a blessing? Which I did. About a year later, when I was visiting, they asked me, do you remember the blessing you gave my wife a year ago? Well, yes, I do. We just wanted you to know that when you left that day, we had an argument about your blessing. <laughs> That's comforting. <laughs> and, and the discussion and the topic is there's no way he could have been inspired when he gave that blessing. Uh. Because I blessed her that day that she would have the health and strength to have a normal pregnancy and carry the child full time. None of the first three have been carried full time. Wow. The fourth one was. Wow. Now, wow. occasionally we are in tune with the Lord, and occasionally we get direction to do things that are unexpected. Yeah. I say, maybe I should occasionally. Another one was a very tender moment for me, and for Ruth as well. And my father-in-law was, within about two weeks of death, he had pancreatic cancer, he was under hospice care. And I remember one after the city was being Mises bread. I don't understand why I'm still here. It makes no sense at all. What do you say? And I remember on that day I told him, he says, neither do I understand it. But consider the possibility that even with your health the way it is, perhaps there's yet something you need to do before you go home. And there was, and it happened about two weeks later. And he went home. You know, I, the, you, 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 you don't know on these things, do you, guys? Um, trying to decide where I want to go here. Such a good discussion. Can, can I just point something out, by the way? Uh, something occurred to me. One of the... If, if we look at the scriptures as a, a category or something we just need to do or we need to read or something, it has a certain level of power. But when we see the, the scriptures as a catalyst to what do I do next? Where do I go? Where do I take this? And then we start to look at the issues that come up here as saying these aren't easy issues and they're not, they can't be quickly boiled down to gospel doctrine fast answers. That, and sometimes we look at these things and, and walk away and go, I still don't have a complete answer on this, and I think they're intended that way. I think we're struggling the same way that the prophets did about that wrote these, saying, "I'm not sure how we're. We got to go to the Lord and get answers because we're not getting answers where we are." And I know what I want, but this isn't what's happening. And yeah. Well, this whole discussion, I think, points out we're still in the preparatory law because we're trying to put everything into a box. And yes, we are. Yep. Yep. And yep. we're very uncomfortable 
leaving things unanswered because we we really don't know. I know we want we want resolution, don't we? We're we're in the eternal, you know. If you're if you're musical, we're in the eternal discord moment. You know, ah, oh, man, it just minor. Ah, we're looking for that resolution note at the end that all it it finishes, and and we and we don't know. Um, I, I I will share in, in this context. Uh, let me tell you something that happened uh, 67 years ago today. Uh, 67 years ago uh, was a pretty happy uh, husband and wife. Um, my my mom and dad, uh, after nine years of childlessness, uh, I was born. Uh, it but it only came after a blessing from a bishop, specific information from Spencer W. Kimball about how to get pregnant that only doctors should be giving to wives. <laughs> and he gave her specific information that she followed. Uh, and then I was, and after nine years, and my dad had served in two wars and he served a mission all after they got married. Uh, so there's a lot of factors in, in 67 years ago today I show up, right? Uh, and they are overjoyed and life is, is happy and everything. Six, 67 years ago and six months, I will get spinal meningitis. And the prospects are there of me being kind of a vegetable or something. I mean, I, there wasn't a whole lot of treatment 67 years ago for spinal meningitis, okay? But guess what happened 67 years ago about now? They had discovered a possible treatment for spinal meningitis, okay? That I was then given... 67 years ago this summer after I was only six months old and they had this experimental and I, don't, I couldn't even tell you somebody in this room might know what that was but they had now had a treatment for that and, and so nine years of no answers and nine years of apostles blessings and nine years of bishops blessings and everything finally culminate 67 years ago and me being born and then we realized why there had to be that wait uh, for which I'm pretty grateful well, a lot of this has got me thinking. I one time saw, what did you go through that made you have so much compassion for others? And we all go, that's when we grow, yeah. is when we go through these difficult times. He said Christ went below all this and he experienced all this. Yeah. So that he could have compassion for us. Can we expect nothing less? Yeah, that he himself, as a, as a mortal experience, in his own incarnation, he had to come down and experience all of this so that he learned the law of love too, I, I think. You know, we want to say that Jesus walking around at 12 is like the fully understanding Jehovah. You know, uh, he wasn't. He, he had to go through all of this line of, on, of online. And so we need to do that too. So, yeah, we run into difficulties, but there can be reasons for that too. Yeah. And it's difficult to go through, but it does help you with other people. When I run into people who've experienced something horrible similar to something that happened to me, yeah. it gives me a lot of love and compassion towards them. Yeah. And, and and at that moment you are closer to the law of love than you kind of step out of the preparatory moment and start to say, my job is to love and love fully and deeply. Uh, as opposed to worry about my own, and now I'm other focused and not self focused. So, all right, you know what? I'm going to stop here. It's it's one of the nice things about what we do is that we can stop without having to say, oh, the church curriculum says now we have to go on to Isaiah next week. Um, do some reading on your own, and we're going to move on down the road. No, we're, we need to finish this. We're it's now taking us three lessons to get. To the bottom of Third Nephi 17, which I'm determined to get to, <laughs> because I think there's some real power there, and and this has set us up beautifully for that discussion we're going to have next week. So, um, any final comments on this? Wow, good stuff, guys. Uh, and again, I, I'll just leave you with: if it leaves you a little bit, think about it. 
and think about that idea of saying that we we know we have less answers than we wish we had but we have more of a sense of compassion and love and I think that's the moment we start transcending the preparatory stuff and move a little closer to heaven when we get to those stages so uh, I leave you my testimony that the Lord loves us and wants us to learn to love like he loves and that our experiences here prepare us for that and I leave that with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sister Cole, can we get to have you give a closing prayer? And thank you for joining us for another Monday morning class. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any suggestions about future topics that we could discuss, or if you had any questions concerning something that you heard in the class, please drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. As always, if you happen to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, please come in and join us on a Monday morning. We'd love to see you and identify who you are. If the podcast itself is resonating with you, go ahead and click subscribe uh, so that Apple can figure out where we are. We'd love to, to hear from you. So again, thank you for coming, and we'll see you for another Monday morning class.